You're listening to Divorce Literacy with the Divorce Lending Association, a divorce podcast where we dig deep into issues of divorce that center around the marital home, other real property, and divorce mortgage planning, helping divorcing homeowners and their divorce team make more informed decisions regarding home equity solutions during and after divorce. I'm Emily Flowers with the Divorce Lending Association, and I'm a Certified Divorce Lending Professional, or CDLP. This is part of our Divorce Literacy Series, and today I'm here with Alan Freed, who is a not only family law attorney, but he's a collaborative family law attorney. And I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do. Thank you, Emily, and thanks for asking me. Um, I have been practicing family law almost exclusively for my entire career, about 40 years now. And when I started out, I was very fortunate to work for a man who was instrumental in bringing divorce mediation to St. Louis, a man named Robert Benjamin. And because I was in his office for five years, uh, I was able to observe his mediations I was able to actually do some of my own mediations that he would assign to me. Uh, And I think perhaps one of the most important professional lessons I ever received, and something that really has colored and shaped my career throughout, was something that he used to do uh, at the beginning of every mediation or really dealing with any divorce client. He would draw, he had had an easel uh, with with a flip chart. And he would draw three intersecting circles. And one of those intersecting circles said law, legal. And the second intersecting circle said financial. And the third intersecting circle said emotional. And they all intersected in the middle. And the point of doing that was to say that although as a culture, we think of divorce as a legal issue, it's not just a legal issue. And Emily, you certainly understand this. Uh, because you are certainly dealing on the financial side very heavily. Uh, Anything that you do on the legal side has an impact financially. Anything that you do on the financial side has an impact emotionally. Anything you do emotionally has an impact on on the legal, et cetera. They all are in play. And there used to be, I don't think it's so prevalent anymore, lawyers working in family law who would basically take the attitude of, well, leave your emotions in the hallway and we'll just deal with your legal issues. It can't be done. It simply can't be done. And so we have to incorporate all of those things in what we do. So that was the sort of, that's kind of my my origin story in terms of doing the divorce work and the way I think about divorce work. I love that. I really do because you're so right. You're, you're that intersection is where people kind of miss it. They miss the mark because sometimes it's, it overlaps, but it doesn't quite connect if you, if you really don't attack it that way. Right. And, and I've been very fortunate throughout my career to work with some very talented mental health professionals who have taught me a lot about the issues that people are dealing with and also has given me some tools to work with when I am dealing with clients who are dealing with emotional issues. A, a, a big part of my practice is mediation. And in a mediation, what I, my role is not to represent either of the parties, the husband or the wife, uh, 
but rather to uh, assist them in kind of having a negotiation conversation. Well, sometimes in the midst of that, someone gets emotional, not surprisingly. And I recognize enough that you can't simply say, hey, stop crying because we got work to do. You have to attend to those emotions because when we do that, our brain shuts down and we're not able to. I remember a mediation I was doing one time where the, where the wife absolutely was hysterical and I simply had to attend to her needs, even though the husband was sitting right there. We weren't going to get anything done until she was ready. And that's part of what needs to be recognized. So that, as I say, that colors my practice. I also, I, I, Emily, I think you've, you've gotten to know me well enough to know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a word guy. I'm a metaphor guy. Bye. And, and one of the metaphors that I think really rings true for a lot of people in terms of dealing with divorce is thinking about divorce as a surgical procedure. The metaphors we're inclined to think of in terms of divorce are um, are battle metaphors, war metaphors. You know, we think about custody battles and we think about lawsuits as being, you know, me against you, which puts spouses in the position of having to say unkind things about the other spouse. You have to sort of lob grenades at each other. And then if you have children, once it's all over, you know, we lawyers can say, well, we're done. Have a nice life. And, you know, you've been you spent the last year or more uh, sort of running full tilt at each other, you know, with with weapons drawn. And now we're saying, OK, now be good. Go go parents. That's hard. That's really hard. That is hard. And and nobody teaches you really how to co-parent in this process. 100 percent correct. Mm -hmm. So so the approach that I take is I say what we're doing is a surgical procedure on a family. When this is over, if you have children, the children, as far as they're concerned, they still have one family. Now, either a spouse or both spouse may, spouses may remarry, and that brings more people in. And one of the things I try to help people recognize is that love is not a finite resource. It's consequently bringing in step-parents just means more love for the children. It's not a bad thing. It's not like if they love them, then that means that they love me yet less. It doesn't work that way. So that's part of the message. But but we're doing surgery on this family. And if you do the surgery in the courthouse, the surgeon is a judge. The only tool he has available or she has available is a chainsaw. And that chainsaw is going to make big, nasty cuts. It's going to be loud and it's going to be bloody and it's going to leave big scars and it's going to be very painful. Um, and it's going to take a long time to heal. But if we can do that negotiation in a more controlled environment, such as in a mediation or in a collaborative divorce, and I'll talk a little bit about that, then you have the opportunity to get out the scalpels and the lasers. There's still going to be some pain. Well, don't get me wrong. But we can control that to a great extent, minimize it, and start the healing sooner. If we can think about divorce as a problem to be solved rather than a battle to be waged, then we are in a better position to help our clients have a more successful and effective future of an effective co-parenting relationship and really do better by, by their children. And even if they don't have children, to be able to just to sort of go on with their lives without having the sort of the burden of all the emotional pain of that divorce trailing after them for years to come. You are so right about that. I um, 
when I went through my mediation training, I, even though I wasn't planning on being a mediator, I feel like it really gave me a, a different way to look at things in all of my relationships across the board. And if you can really bring that into a somewhat contentious relationship, it, it's so much better for everybody. I, I agree with that. It really is. And, and, and a, a number of years ago, 2009, my uh, my longtime partner, Elise Camazine, Elise Camazine, we've been practicing together since 1993. Uh, she and I wrote a book together called Divorce in Missouri. And what was interesting to me, Elise is well known as a as a litigator, uh, but yet she recognizes the value of settling cases and the value of being realistic with clients and not sort of you know promising pie in the sky, but really focusing on how can we get you in a good position to be a good co-parent, have a decent life and so forth post-divorce. So I mentioned, I mentioned collaborative divorce. I want to talk a little bit about that because collaborative for me is kind of the gold standard. Um, I started doing collaborative cases about 20 years ago when we began, we, a, a group of seven lawyers began something called the Collaborative Family Law Association, which is the St. Louis area, uh, organization for collaborative divorce. Uh, that organization has grown. It now includes mental health professionals and financial professionals, as well as uh, lawyers. And the way it works is this. The underlying philosophy of collaborative is the same as of that of mediation, which is let's problem solve our way through this divorce. Let's, let's try to focus on what's important to this family, as opposed to trying to focus on what's wrong with each other. Um, and we do that in a team effort. Each of the spouses has a lawyer um, who is trained in the collaborative process. And by that, the training that we require includes mediation training, as well as a separate interdisciplinary uh, training for collaborative professionals. Um, and then we also include a mental health professional and a financial professional as part of our problem-solving team. The role of the mental health professional is not to be a therapist, even though that's what those folks normally do. They're not evaluating. They're not doing therapy. Their role instead is to act as a kind of a guide for the process and to help keep the process on track. The mental health professional will meet with each of the spouses individually, sometimes together, to understand the dynamics of the relationship. And that way, they can help keep the couple on track as they go through this process. The financial professional uh, gathers the financial information and also can provide financial uh, advice, in a sense, looking at are there potential tax problems, are there potential mortgage-related problems, and other kinds of issues there's so many things to think about going through a divorce that having a, a diversity of expertise among our uh, among our four professionals, sometimes even more, sometimes we bring in a child specialist to help put together the parenting plan. Um, having all these people kind of working together, we're not working against each other. Even the lawyers are not working against each other. We're working with each other. And if you were to sit in on a collaborative divorce uh, session when all the professionals are around. And by the way, the other professionals also have the same training, the mediation training, the collaborative training. So everybody's trained. 
And if you were to sit in on one of those and you would see the conversation, you might not know who's representing whom because we're all just talking to each other. Uh, we encourage the clients to talk. It's not just, you know, you shut up so I talk. No, we all talk and we all offer ideas. And no idea is a bad idea until everybody has decided on what they want to agree on. So it's a real, as I say, problem-solving, sol interest-focused process. And I could go on. We don't have that kind of time. But you can see uh, by my passion for it, I think it is a terrific uh, and valuable process. Agreed. Agreed. I, I have um, heard a lot about it, and I do know that it is a very healthy way to go about the divorce process if, if there is such a thing. Um, there absolutely is. <laughs> there well, really I like is. that. Because <laughs> well, I, I want to say one more thing. I mean, we, we sort of think about divorce as this aberration somehow, and yet we also carry in our brains the, the, the knowledge that nearly half of marriages end in divorce. Well, if it's that common, then it's no aberration. And if it's not an aberration, let's not treat it like one. Let's just treat it like something that happens in life that we have to deal with in a way that's going to, as best we can, preserve the family's resources and preserve the parent-child relationships as well. That was very well said. Thank you. And I know how much you would love to um, put very difficult things into plain words. That That is definitely a passion of yours Absolutely. Um, that you. I've learned. <laughs> um, any insight you can give a family contemplating divorce? Well, beyond what the things that I've said, part of it is Correct. sort of re rethinking uh, divorce. Um, and if, if you were to go to my firm's website, you'll see a blog. I've written many, many blog posts on there. Many of them talk about sort of rethinking divorce, rethinking what a lawyer's job is, you know, as an advisor rather than as a warrior. Sometimes we have to be warriors. I gave up that rule. That's not how I practice. But, um, you know, I, I, I have obviously most of my colleagues here are, do that kind of work and many of my colleagues outside of here do that. So I recognize the value of it. Sometimes it's necessary. But I think rethinking what divorce is about is a fundamental thing. Think. Don't think about this idea of that, well, we're going to get a divorce, so now I'm going to turn my spouse into this bad person. Uh, judges don't think that way, typically. Judges sort of want to look at both sides. And you have to remember that whatever you're telling your lawyer, your spouse is telling them a different version of that story. It's as if, you know, you're looking at my hand, I'm looking at my hand. Guess what? We don't see the same thing. You see the front, I see the back. And we're but yet we're looking at the same thing. Well, the same thing is true when you're looking at any kind of contested issue. There is more than one perspective and you have to be aware of both perspectives to be able to come to a reasonable resolution. You're not looking for a perfect resolution. You're not looking for everything on your wish list. You're looking for a good enough resolution, something that feels like, okay, I got heard. They got heard. We've got a decent resolution. Now let's move forward. This is such great information. I, I didn't even ask you any of the questions because you just kept 
answering them <laughs> as as we went along, which I knew you would. You and can't I, stop me, Emily. You know me well enough. <laughs> so I really I appreciate you spending so much time with me and and giving us this really great insight. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, how did they do that? Well, you can go to my website, which is pcblawfirm.com. PCB, Paul Camazine Blumenthal is the name of the firm. Thank you. Uh, you can also get reach me by email at afreed, A-F-R-E-E-D, at pcblawfirm.com. Perfect. And we're going to include those in the notes uh, and along with uh, your bio and everything that goes along with it. Terrific. Any any final thoughts? Well, I, I think beyond what I've, I've already said, uh, Emily, I just think you have to get advice from the people who are qualified to give you with the advice. So your brother, your mother, your hairdresser, all those people want to support you. But sometimes in the support that they're giving you, they think they're being supportive by saying bad things about your spouse. Not helpful. So get legal advice from someone qualified to give you legal advice. Get emotional advice from your therapist. Get support from your friends. Those are all important things, but recognize each one of them for what they are. Agreed. Agreed. That's wonderful. Well, thank you again. I have thoroughly enjoyed this and um, really appreciate your insight. So uh, thanks. And we will uh, be releasing again your information along with all this so you can reach out to Alan and get more information from him. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to Divorce Literacy. Discover more strategies and solutions on divorce mortgage planning at divorcelendingassociation.com.